Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor. And I am Aaron Taylor, and we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. Episode 24. The Super Bowl special episode. Let's go. Yay. Yeah. So if you are not aware, and how could you not be aware? Uh, you could not be aware, actually, but. Well, there's this little football game called Super Bowl, and this year's iteration was Super Bowl 52. And in it, the evil empire, the New England Patriots. The evil empire. <coughs> yeah. So our New England fans are going to be like, ugh, click. I'm not listening to you people anymore. Well, anyway, uh, so everybody likes to call them the evil empire or the dynasty. So, yeah, yes. This is not names we came up with. This is yeah. names re- reporters and journalists came up with. Right. The evil empire, the dynasty. I think dynasty is better. The dynasty was. Because it is kind of a dynasty. What it they, totally was. What they had. Totally is. Totally, totally is. Wrecked. Um, based off against the underdogs, my Philadelphia Eagles. And it was labeled as dynasty versus destiny. You know, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I know, but it was not like popularly phrased that way. Remember I said that that would be an awesome shirt to make up to Noah. Mm -hmm. And we sort of talked a little bit about it and then kind of never came to fruition because, you know, you're not suddenly going to. Go into the shirt making business in, <laughs> in two <a> weeks, week. <laughs> um, but yeah, destiny versus dynasty, um, and uh, we won, and it was triumphant, and it was euphoric, and we had <clears throat> twenty some odd people, twenty some odd people, most of whom were some of the biggest Eagles fans that you'll see. In your life, over at our house, screaming, cheering, jumping around, hugging each other, crying, crying, high fiving from the men. I don't. <laughs> oh, I did. I didn't cry. Well, I um, don't know about you, but I saw some tears and some yeah. sniffles, and it was rather funny, actually. Yeah. So um, we all, yeah, we won, and forty-one thirty-three, and. Now we uh, get to never have to listen to other fans talk about how the Eagles have never won a Super Bowl and yada, yada, yada. Well, the funny thing was, I have so many comments to make about this, but the first thing that pops to my mind is how late we went to bed that night because, of course, the Super Bowl ends. I think, you know, we used to go to a Super Bowl party at a friend's house and we never cared about who was in the Super Bowl because it was never our team. And so we'd go, we'd hang out, eat some food, watch the game a little bit here and there. And then the kids, it would be getting late, the kids would be tired, and we'd leave like halftime or a little after or whatever. So it never was as late as it was for us this this time. And so I knew that we would be watching it obviously through to the end. And I knew, as you know, I knew that they were going to win since November, win the Super Bowl. 
And so I knew that we would be sitting around and watching all the tears and the hugs and the presentation of the trophy and all that stuff. And then you guys got it in your mind to run to Dick's and get Super Bowl t-shirts immediately that night. Nothing would do, but we had to go. Well, so, of course, I'm up for a goofy thing like that. Yeah, so that was like that actually came up in the NFC Championship when they won the NFC Championship and they were going to the Super Bowl. My younger brother suddenly popped up and said, "Oh, oh, the reason he popped up is because I checked my email." And I said, "Uh-huh, that's funny. Dix is open on Sunday night to sell Eagles shirts." That's hilarious. And he said, "Oh my gosh, I'm stopping on the way home and Which, buying shirts." And he lives it's literally on the way it's home. It's literally on the way home for him, and it's about two minutes from his house. So when they won the Super Bowl. No, the championship. Right, so they oh. won. The, no, and then he took a picture, and he goes, oh, my God, we all got to get the shirts. I went the next day to get that shirt. Not to gone. be found. So then when they won the Super Bowl, immediately we all popped up and said, or at least I popped up, or somebody popped up and said, oh, my God, we got to go to the Dicks to get Super Bowl shirts. Well, his... Uh, girlfriend was already at Dick's. Already on the way there. On the way. Because they live so close. Because they live so close. So she got in the store really quickly and was just, you know, so we sent, we called her up and said, you know, grab everything you can find. <laughs> just throw it in the cart, whatever. <laughs> and then we all finally got everything together, grabbed our little Eagles mini football and rolled on and over a bunch to, of the kids and a bunch of the kids and rolled over to to Dix and then to by the time it got gigantic there, line there's a gigantic line that only continued to grow while we were there yeah eventually like out insane. the store around the corner across the street this is at 11 30 at 30 night. at night on a Sunday night <laughs> and everybody's wearing eagle stuff yeah. everybody's cheering and high-fiving each other right. it was like a party in the parking lot and you know, there's so many memories of the of this Super Bowl that you know I'll have. But like one of the best memories is for some reason or other we I think when halftime came, we were gonna like go outside and throw the football around because we used to do that all the time during the Sunday games. And in the daytime. In the this daytime. Is obviously night. This is nighttime and the rain was coming down, so we didn't go, but we held that we had that little Eagles football, you know, and we well, that's another tradition that we'll talk about, but and so we we took the the football with us for whatever reason, and when we got to Dick's, you know, in the parking lot, we started like throwing the I started throwing the football around with our daughter Faith, who got super excited starting with the NFC Championship game about this and just couldn't be stopped about it. Oh, by the way, little side note: Do you remember right after that game and she was wearing her Eagles shirt and her Eagles hat and everything she said put her hands up she said triumphantly I'm a bandwagon fan <laughs> and we were all laughing oh yeah well I talked to her about that later and she thought a bandwagon fan was a good thing that's why she was proudly <laughs> displaying her bandwagon she didn't realize being a bandwagon fan was not yeah I said no honey no that means don't, you're late to the game don't don't say that just say you're an Eagles fan <laughs> right so we're so then because my um, sis, sister-in-law, you know, we went in to kind of like check and see what she was doing. Like we could bypass the line. Like the line was to go in and look at the actual merchandise around the table and to the registers. Um, but we just kind of like walked in and bypassed the line. Uh, note to everyone out there. 
Act like you belong. You'll always be fine. But I will also <laughs> say that you weren't technically budding in line because no. our our family member what had was already, waited in yeah. the line <clears throat> and had purchased had was holding the things we wanted to purchase. Right. So we just met her. You yeah. met her at the end for the purchase part, so you could pay instead of her. Right. And so, so we were sitting at the end of the register, myself and Faith, Noah, and his friend Aaron. And we were just kind of like tossing the football back and forth. Like we're, we're sitting like where the little, you know, the little anti-theft thing is just inside the entrance to... Or the exit. Uh, just inside the exit to Dick's. We're tossing the football back and forth there. And throwing it around with fans who are in line, who are asking us to throw the football to them. And none of the employees even bat an eyelash. No one told you to stop. Or nobody cared. Nobody doing? said anything. Nobody said, high-fiving everybody as they're walking out with their purchases. Multiple Eagles cheers. It was like a, it was like a party in dicks. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And, you know, that, like, throwing the football around with her at the exit to dicks as we... You know, as we're high-fiving everybody as they're, <coughs> as they're leaving. That is one enduring memory of that night that will be forever in my mind. So then we leave, drop Noah's friend off, and come back home. <coughs> Bless you. And then it's for me it's quickly turned to oh my gosh it's like 12:30 and our kids are all still awake and it's a school night everybody to bed so then i'm trying to quickly scoot them up to bed and tuck everybody in and all that stuff meanwhile you plop right on the couch and you are like devouring every word hanging on every word that somebody on the tv is saying and and whatever so we we get them i get them all put to bed and ready for the next day and then go to bed we go then we go to bed ourselves crawl in i crawl into bed and then you're laying next to me and you're going oh my gosh i don't know how i feel about this i'm thinking about it all and i don't uh, our identity has changed now we're never going to be seen as the losers who can never win a super bowl we actually won but I don't know. I don't know how I feel letting go of that identity. We don't have that identity anymore. We have a different identity. I'm not sure. And I'm saying to myself, oh my goodness, would you shut up? It is one o'clock in the morning. I have to go to bed. I don't care what your identity is. Talk to me tomorrow. Uh, well, and you know. It you're... was very funny. That's exactly accurate. That is a 100% accurate representation of what happened. You were It was cute. You were so into it. But I just looked at you like, are you kidding me? It is 1 in the morning. The alarm is going to go off at 6.20. We cannot have this conversation right now. Let's talk about identities tomorrow. The fact that you were worried about alarms and anything else at that moment is insane to me because none of that mattered at that moment. Oh, well, well, the 620 alarm wasn't going to matter to you they either could, because you don't get up with the kids. They could have gone So that's why to, it didn't matter to you at that moment. They could have gone to school late that day. It would have been totally fine. Oh, they and actually did. Oh, good. Well, anyway. the younger two didn't, but the older one did. Anyway. And, you know, not, so not that, that this really is... really funny. Not that this is a football podcast. But for a few minutes, we need to at least just kind of dwell on the amazing 
season that the team had. Like, you know, this year started out with a, a second-year quarterback who everybody expected to take some major steps forward, but the anticipation was that if they could well, make the playoffs... Well, he was the second-string... Are you talking no, about... second-year oh, Carson second Wentz. Year. yes. The second-year quarterback that, you know, everybody expects or expected and to... High hopes. High hopes to ultimately be a franchise quarterback. And then through the first 13 games of the season was exactly that. He did... They were a strong team. He lived up, lived to and beyond expectations, was playing amazing football. The team came together. We had a defense that was really, really strong and, and just, um, you know, playing amazing. They lost, a, they lost an early game to a team, the Chiefs team that, you know, a lot of people thought early on had a really good chance to make it to the Super Bowl too. Uh, but other than that, they were flawless throughout the season, just, you know, kind of winning almost every game. They lost a tough game in Seattle. And then in the game against the Rams, in a eerie <laughs> kind of parallel to our niece, uh, tears his ACL in a kind of uh, diving for the end zone play. And, you know, at that moment, as we kind of, you know, I remember watching the TV and kind of seeing in the time between plays as he tried to step off the field and seeing his leg literally wobble under him and moving in a way that it never should. Is I was like, natural? oh, no, that looks like a torn ACL. And I'm, you know, and so then we find out that it is a torn ACL. They go on to win that game behind the backup quarterback, Nick Foles. And, but then, you know, our hopes are all kind of... Well, I have to say, I have to inject here as um, an observer. An observer. Because you know me, I tend to do a lot more observing than participating in things in life. Mm. And so, especially with football, I'm, I'm much more of an observer. I don't go so head over heels crazy over the wins or the losses. And so, as an observer, I watched, you know, your brothers have gathered at our house for years. And before we even owned a house, you used to gather at your mom's house. So, I mean, like your whole lives, this is what you've been hanging on every play on a Sunday afternoon. And so, I have watched you guys make it through, uh, slug through... Horribly losing seasons where they look like they could be beaten by a high school football team and screaming and yelling at the TV and crushed and devastated. And then I've watched you guys argue over this call and that play and whatever the ref did and who said he was good and who said he was bad. And then I've watched the, the thrill of victory following the agony of defeat, all that stuff. I've watched it all wrapped up. And when he got injured... So so he was playing well, the team was playing well, they were looking strong, they were winning, you guys were happy, everything was good, and then, boom, his knee snapped, or his leg snapped, and I could feel the air, like, sticking a pin in the balloon. You guys all kind of deflated in harmony. Like, oh, mm-hmm. there goes our season. We had such high hopes, and now it's dashed. Um, especially in this town, where there have been so many... Missed opportunities. Almost made it. 
Yeah, just, you know, it's kind of... With all the teams. Yeah, well, yeah. But bad luck in terms of, like... Oh, let's not go to the luck thing. Just unfortunate circumstances. Unfortunate circumstances that have occurred over the years when it seemed like things were, you know, pointing in the proper direction, and then you get something unfortunate that occurs or something, you know, a circumstance occurs that is less than what you had hoped it would be. And in this scenario, you know... It felt that way again, but I will give credit to um, many of the Eagles fans, and you know I'll, I'll give some credit to myself actually. Okay, don't yes. hurt your shoulder no, I'm, patting I'm, yourself yeah. because back. the backup for this team. Well, before we go to the backup, can I just do another side note? No, I, I need to. I must. Sure. Because this is a, a, the right time to squeeze this in. The reason we needed a backup is because Wentz uh, tore his knee, tore his ACL. Tore his ACL. And you kind of mentioned in passing it's eerily similar to what happened to our niece. So our niece in August of this beginning football season tore her ACL on the volleyball court. And she was out for her first freshman year college season. And then about... So she had surgery maybe a week or two, maybe like the first week of September or something like Mm -hmm. that, whatever. Then three weeks later, our dog had surgery (laughs) because he tore his uh, MCL, LCL, XCL, whatever he tore. Whatever dogs have in their knees, he tore three of them. So he had knee surgery about three weeks after she had knee surgery. And then... Two months later, Wentz had to have knee surgery. So it was like the, the fall of knee surgeries. Right. So they were all hobbling around on crutches together. And then she did this hilarious uh, Instagram uh-huh. photo, I guess. Some kind of app she put on her phone where you can like fool around with photographs and uh, superimpose images and whatever. <laughs> so she found a family photo of... Carson Wentz, and she superimposed herself in the photo with the family. And then there was another photo of him, I think, leaning on his crutches with his knee yeah, brace. Right. And she superimposed a picture of her leaning on her crutches with her knee brace standing right next to him. <laughs> it was absolutely hysterical. Yeah. Totally hysterical. And it looks so realistic. It was so funny. Anyway, that's my side note. So now you can go back to talking about when they had to Pull in their backup quarterback who used to play for the Eagles. So their backup quarterback used to play for the Eagles, Nick Foles. And he had one of the all-time great seasons ever in 2013. And at the time, I was, I felt like he was a guy who could be the franchise quarterback and that we should move forward with, so to speak. And you and your older brother argued <clears throat> endlessly that year. Endlessly. He was constantly against him. You were constantly for him. And right. you guys argued every which angle you possibly could all season long. And as that. they played towards their playoff games and Christmas approach that year, I, in a, in a gag slash sticking it to him kind of a thing, for a Christmas present for him, yes. went and bought him a Nick Foles jersey. Your brother. My brother. And gave it to him, and then that year ended with... Is that the one that he gave to Noah? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because he was so against wearing it. Well, no, actually, he did wear it that year, and then 
that year they lost in the playoffs. Nick Foles played well, but they lost. And then the next year he did not have a good comeback and got injured midway through the season. Nick Foles did. And at the end of that year, the Eagles traded him. And at that point, or maybe before that point, my brother kind of gave the jersey to my son because he didn't really want it anyway, and it's, you know, it's fine. So then that jersey just kind of lingered in my son's drawers. Well, he wore it a little I, bit here and there, but, you know. I don't think know. he generally wore it very often because the Foles wasn't playing for the team, and he has other jerseys well, of other well, players all of our, in the past. all of our kids have a thing where they won't wear a jersey of a player who's not on the team. And I've spoken to at least the boys, and it... So I keep throwing the side notes in here because there's so many things we could talk about. But I don't understand why kids are so rough about this stuff. But kids, all of them, all three of them said to me, when you wear a jersey of a person who's not on the team anymore, you get flack from the other kids at school. Why are you wearing his jersey? He doesn't even play for the team anymore. And I was talking to your brother about it, and he said, that's ridiculous. If you go to an Eagles game, there's a million jerseys in the stands, and they could be current players, old players. It doesn't matter. People are pulling out their jerseys to wear something for the team. Nobody will even look at you twice or question you if you wear a jersey of a former player. And I said, it's different in school. Kids are different. Well, I think I think that has to do, especially in the area that we live in, that has, that's an affluence thing. Like, well, so, uh, absolutely. You're supposed to be where, like, you're supposed to every you year spend a hundred dollars on spend a hundred years on the current jersey of the current Which player. Which is so inane. I think you can get away with the idea of wearing a jersey of a great, like somebody who's no longer playing. Well, our older but you're son, wearing an, our older son said, if the person retired right. from the team, yeah. that's acceptable because they're like a. Agreed. A legend yeah. or a whatever. But, but if, if they got traded, forget for, it. You might as well burn the jersey. Right, get rid of the jersey. So that jersey for Nick Foles after he got traded. But he's never going to burn the jersey. He didn't burn it. He just puts all those jerseys of teammates who got traded up on the shelf. Yeah, they are just they were sitting there lingering in the back of his... On the top of his top closet. Top of his closet. And then... Getting dusty. Carson Wentz goes down and Nick Foles comes in and... Suddenly that jersey comes back to life. And at the time there was chatter about should they get this guy who retired recently who was a good quarterback? Should they get this guy to come back and quarterback the team? And, you know, I remember saying, hey, you know what? This guy was good at one point. Let's give him a chance. He came in in the next game and he had a very good game against the Giants and suddenly spirits were lifted. Then in the next game he didn't have as strong a game and the last... Uh, trying to remember the exact sequence. And in the last game of the season, um, I mean, he did have a good game against Oakland, had a good game against the Giants, and then the last game of the season against the Cowboys was they only played a short period of time, but he didn't look sharp there. And so going in the playoffs, there was a lot of concerns. Um, but well, then, I will say there may have been lots of concerns on sports radio airwaves and all that, but there was never a concern with me. Right. You started talking about in week 14? Well, whatever November is. That's yeah, maybe maybe even earlier. You started saying, hey, what are we going to do if we go to the Super Bowl this year? No, I didn't say if. I said, or when who we go are to the we Super going Bowl, to invite to our Super Bowl Who are we going party? to invite to our Super Bowl party this year? And I said, whoa, that's really early to be 
talking up that kind of stuff. But And I had to be careful. I couldn't say it too loud to too many people because everybody being so superstitious, they'll get they get all bent out of shape. So right. I just kept that under wraps, mostly between me and you. Yeah. So anyway, Foles came in and eventually started playing really well and had an amazing game in the NFC Championship game. It was the one of the best or the best of his career. Well, I remember people saying that statistically, that it was. It's like, funny that they couldn't believe that he could play that well. It's funny that people say that because he actually had a game in 2013. That was similar. Well, it's actually tied a record for the most touchdowns in a game. He threw seven touchdowns in a game in 2013. So anybody who thought wasn't that he did like yardage or something that he was the best. Yeah, it, blah, it was blah, just blah. it was it was a it was an all time playoff game. Like it was an all time performance in the playoffs. Okay, so there so you go. it was yeah. And then in the Super Bowl itself, he had an another amazing game, out dueling the guy that a true legend. Who's who say is say what you want about him, like yeah. him, hate him, whatever. He is legendary. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, I think, in many people's opinions. And and you know what? Let's not forget that he's quarterbacking in the Super Bowl at age 40. Mm-hmm. That alone makes me want to like bow down to him. Right. Because at 45, I don't think five years ago, well, I could never have imagined playing in the Super Bowl because I don't play football. But I don't know about playing in the Super Bowl at age 40. Like That's playing very a, impressive. Playing a professional football game, any game, at it's age painful. 40 is... You know, they football say every football don't last that yeah. long. No, so they don't. That guy is like, he's like Cal Ripken. He's superhuman. Yeah. Anyway. I know, but. We don't need stuff. to have a Cal Ripken reference, really. It was, the podcast was fine without that. The Iron Man? Come on. Anyway. So, and then the one, the, the play that will literally, that, that literally is going to be the one that is remembered forever. The crazy one. Is, you know, what they call the Philly special, where at fourth and one from the goal line, like fourth and goal, where there's so many choices, like, you know, like the coach decides, though there's audio now that it might have been Nick Foles himself who actually came over and suggested this play call, suggested this choice of plays mm-hmm. right there. They're going for it on fourth and goal when they can kick a field goal to increase their lead, but that's a very conservative play. And all year long, the coach was very aggressive going for it on fourth and one all the time, really just playing pedal to the metal. So they, on fourth and goal, decide to go for it. Go go for what you think they're going for, but it's a little different. Yeah, you're thinking they're going to run or you're thinking they're going to try and throw a a pass to their all-pro tight end or something like that. And instead... They run a direct snap to a running back who then pitches it to the third string tight end who then throws a pass, oh, by the way, to the aforementioned backup quarterback who <laughs> he's, a, he's a six foot six dude who nobody would ever expect is going to run out there in a pattern. And be a receiver. And be a receiver of a <laughs> That's touchdown. so bizarre. Philly special. I love it. And it's matched up perfectly against the idea that three or four minutes earlier in the game, the Patriots had done the same thing, running a play where their quarterback was out in a pattern, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, and he dropped a pass that was intended for him. Mm. Just in the middle of the field, but, you know, like a, a 
<laughs> like a key, like just so many, so many amazing things that, you know, just sort of turn back around on themselves. Or And I heard a great story. I read a great article about that Philly special. And Doug Peterson was saying, that's the head coach. He was saying that each week they watch all the different games and they look at the different things that the different teams are doing and they kind of look at, you know, creating recipes. Well, this looked interesting. That kind of worked. And this one over here looked good. What if we put them together and, you know, make a new combination or whatever? And he said that they had come up with this Philly special that they coined a few weeks prior. Right. I don't know if you read that or heard that. And they were just waiting for the right opportunity, the right situation to, to use that play. Right. And then they got their opportunity. That's right. so cool. <laughs> on the biggest stage with everything on the line. And but it's so ridiculous to think that they would spin everything around to where the quarterback would become the receiver. Like, that's just so against the grain of any rule book that you would find about football. It's just totally off the wall. Yeah. And, and I love it. And the way that they sold the play. Like, I, 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 there's just so many subtle little things. Like, the play design, he walks up to, like, he starts out in the in a normal shotgun where he's behind the, the, the person who's going to snap the ball to him. And then he walks up to the line, like happens a lot of time in a game, like where if you can't hear, like it, the players on the line can't hear the signal as you're making a change of play. So he kind of walks closer to them as though he's trying to signal that something's changing. And then he steps over towards the uh, right side of the line as though he's still trying to communicate. And then right at the last minute, he comes to a stop facing the line of scrimmage, which is you have to do that. Otherwise, it's a false start when they snap the ball. Like mm-hmm. when you're, when you're in, that, in the backfield in that position, you have to be facing the line and set at the moment that the ball is snapped. So he comes set just for a second they snap the ball to the other guy and the play all goes to the left while he's hanging out there on the right. And then as soon as the last person on the defense who's on that right side bites on the idea the that the, goes to the left, then he sprints out. It's and crazy. then the whole action happens and then there's a touchdown. And then, you know, crazy. even with all that said, it still came down to the very last minute. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> And so we we are officially so many side stories. Yeah, we are cord cutters. No offense to any of our Comcast fans. Yes, we are. We are. We cord actually cutters. love Comcast. We really. We've had great great relationship with them and great service by them. Really. Yeah, but uh, and we we're evaluating different stuff financially about two months ago, and we came to the conclusion that we could cut the cord to Comcast and just have our internet service with them. No longer have TV and use Hulu for most of the TV that we actually watch and need. But the difference with Hulu is that it live streams over the Wi-Fi instead of through a cable wire. Correct. So it's dependent upon the signal floating right. through the air to go to the TV. So in the two weeks that we've had Eagles games, while while we've had this, it's the first week that we had it, there was a couple times where it would buffer and the screen would slow down. And after the first or time... Or freeze. Or freeze. And after the first time it happened, 
You know, and everybody's like, what's going on? I was like, oh, it's probably Brady who's on the Xbox. Meaning, if, in the other if, room. if you're in the other room <coughs> and you're playing the video game, it's pulling signal, which could cause the TV to buffer. Maybe. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's not, but it doesn't matter. So the second time it happened, two weeks ago, I yelled and went, Brady! As loud as I could. The third time it happened... Which he was on the Xbox at that point. All right, the third time it happened, everybody yelled with me, Brady! And it probably happened like three or four more times during the NFC Championship game where everybody was yelling Brady. So by the time we get to the Super Bowl, with 20... Some people crowded around the TV. We had your your best friend and his kids came up because they're lifelong Eagles fans, but they don't live here anymore. So they came up, and they, they're not here for Eagles games. So the first time everybody's shouting Brady when the TV they're screen like, crazy, they're like, why is everybody yelling at Brady? <coughs> or, yeah, and the quarterback for their team's name is Brady, so no one understands exactly why we're yelling Brady. So then finally, by the time it's getting... Well, before you say where you're where you're headed next, I'm going to say, for whatever odd reason, I have been very prophetic about this football season, and I don't even know why. But not only did I know that they were going to not only be in the Super Bowl, but win the Super Bowl, I knew that I got an intuitive hit on that in November, and I knew it. But then when we switched to Hulu, and then <laughs> the... Um, you know, occasionally it would buffer and freeze. And it seems to happen most often with sporting events. Not even just regular live TV, not that we watch that much, but it seems that something about sporting events would freeze it a couple of times. And so I had this vision. After the first Eagles game that you guys watch and it froze a couple of times, I suddenly had this vision. <gasps> the Super Bowl... The room full of people, like this is what I saw, the room full of people. And, you know, with such Eagles fans and everybody's gathered, every time the ball is thrown, everybody's like, or, and everybody's screaming. So each time the ball is thrown, everybody holds their breath to see where it's going to land. And so I had this vision, like this frozen snapshot image of our house, our room filled with people, the TV screen. The quarterback throws the ball. It's in midair, and it freezes, and everybody goes, <gasps> and the whole scene is frozen. But they're in the end zone, so they've thrown the ball into the end zone, and it freezes, and you don't know whether the person catches the ball or not. That's what I've had in my mind with the first Hulu Eagles game. So, continue. And that's exactly what happened. So, even with <laughs> all the way that the Eagles played great, and having an amazing defensive play after having the defense get roasted all day by Tom Brady and the Patriots. They came up with an amazing defensive play with you know a couple minutes to go, score a field goal, increase their lead. But Brady and the Patriots still had a chance with the final play of the game. They snap the ball, he drops back, he avoids pressure, and he throws to the end zone for a Hail Mary. And the screen buffers. Literally, as the ball is like, in the air, we see him release over, the ball over the end zone. We see him frozen. release the ball, and it freezes. And everybody's standing up, kind of like this is, not knowing whether they're going to jump up and scream or fall down and cry. <laughs> There's no time left. They need a touchdown and a two point conversion to, to tie. The ball's in the air, and it buffers. 
And we're all like, <gasps> and I'm going, that's what I saw in my mind. And then it comes back. The ball's on the ground. The game is over. The Eagles are running around cheering, and we're like, and then pandemonium breaks loose. I'm hugging people. I don't know who Everybody's I'm hugging. Crying. We're, yeah. we're falling all over ourselves. And, but we never actually, I never actually saw the last play live until like <laughs> three or four minutes afterwards when we finally see that, you know, it was tipped up in the air, bounced on the ground, and then looked like one of the Patriots players caught it, but they didn't because it hit the ground first. And, whew. wow. So, Another another good sidelight story, sideline story, sideline story. Oh, that's good. I like that. A story from the sideline. That could be like a whole column. Like you, you want to be a sideline on reporter. the daily news? No, sideline stories. That's like the human interest stuff that you hear about on the Olympics that I love okay. so much. Yeah. Here's a good sideline story. I read an article. I don't know if I told you about this about uh, Nick Foles and how. He used to play for the Eagles, then he got transferred to whoever, whatever. Traded. Traded, yes. I knew that wasn't the right word I was grabbing, but I couldn't pull the right one out. So he got traded to whoever, and I don't even know because I don't pay attention to that stuff. And then, I think he got traded to someone else for a short time or something, but it was very up in the air. He was debating whether to retire. Yes. And he said he was losing the spark and the joy of football. And he made a commitment, a promise to himself that if he ever lost that joy of the game, he was done. And so he had lost the spark and he was really thinking, oh my gosh, I always said if I lose the spark, I'm done. I I think maybe I might need to retire. And then an opening came up somehow. You could probably correct my incorrect story, but an opening came up on Andy Reid's team. Andy Reid was the former Eagles head coach that he played for. So an opening came around for Andy Reid's team when he was considering retiring. And then he found out about it and he said, oh my gosh, I must play for Andy Reid again. If there's anyone, if there's anyone who can help me find the joy and the spark again with this game, it is that man. Because he had such a great experience playing for him and under him. And he was such a great coach for him that he said, I must go back. If there's anyone on this planet who can help me, it is that man. And so he went and played for some short amount of time for Andy's team. And just like he had hoped, Andy helped him find the spark and the joy again. So then he was joyful about playing, excited, enthusiastic. And then last March, they got uh, the Eagles acquired him again. And, or the opportunity came for him to come here. And he said when that opportunity came up, he had the love and the joy again for playing. So he didn't want to retire. He loved the city of Philadelphia. He loved playing for the team. And he loved the idea of coming back to a city that he loved and a team that he loved. And so before you add anything to that, the thing I want to say, I want to reiterate because we've talked about this in prior episodes how important a good coach is mm. in impacting your life on so many levels. Coaching is a powerful a powerful thing. And so a good coach is priceless in a person's life, a child's life, a professional athlete's life. And I love that story because it just highlights what I'm always say- saying. And let's take it even one step further because you're tagging it into Andy Reid. 
the guy who, when the Eagles drafted Nick Foles. It was even on the other guy? The other Doug coach? Peterson was working for Andy Reid. Oh, see how it's all at interconnected? The I just love the little web. And when he, when Nick Foles rejoined Andy Reid's team? Oh, right, because Andy and Doug, Doug Peterson, were friend, they're friendly. The, well, he was... Doug, well, they worked together. Yeah, Doug Peterson was his second in command on the right. uh, is what's called an offensive coordinator. He, he was the offensive right. coordinator. Doug Peterson was the the person for the Eagles who interviewed like before somebody gets drafted. You interview them with somebody from your team. Mm. Doug Peterson was the person who did a sp- separate interview with Nick Foles. We were the only team that that went to interview with him mm. separately. So that when the time came to join the Eagles as the backup quarterback this year, when the Eagles needed a backup, and Doug Peterson was the coach, and this opportunity came for Nick Foles, it became even more perfect of a synergy for him to say, oh yeah, there's Doug Peterson, the guy who I know, who helped bring me here, who helped bring me here, who helped get me drafted, who helped resurrect my career as a backup in Kansas City. You know, and at the time of the signing, it was kind of like, oh, all right, we're going to get Foles back. doesn't matter because we got to focus on Wentz because Wentz is the future right. and everything. But how how amazing of a thing was it to have that connection, have that guy come back, and how much dividends did it pay? Um, you know, and then another thing, kind of um, totally very inside Philly football kind of a thing, but, you know, there's a guy named Howie Roseman who is the Eagles general manager. Like talk about talk about like redemption and and persevering. This is a guy who was the GM of the Eagles for years, um, and then about four years ago, at the end of you know sort of the Andy Reid's coaching tenure, tenure, um, they hired another new football coach. How he was involved in the general manager was involved in that's hire, and they brought in a guy named Chip Kelly who was much ballyhooed, and everybody was talking about how he was going to be the guy who brought the Super Bowl, and he was a wonderkind and all that kind of stuff. And he had a great first year, but they failed in the playoffs. That was the first um, Nick Foles year, but the. Um, at the end of that first year, he demanded more power, and the owner demoted Howie Roseman, the general manager, and gave all the power to Chip Kelly. And then the next two years were a total flameout, and Chip Kelly was fired, and they talked about the idea of bringing in a new GM, but instead went back to Howie Roseman, who after having failed and taking his knocks and going back and reevaluating got the job back to BGM again what was he demoted to I mean he had another role in the organization but I mean at the end of the day it was kind he of just like didn't have any decision making right they he went from being the top dog in terms of choosing the players mm. to being like a guy who a had a title guy, that whatever. was yeah um, and many people just figured his career ultimately was over um, but the owner said, you know what? I have confidence in this guy. I'm going to bring him back in. He hired the coach. He made amazing moves in the offseason to bring in Nick Foles, to engineer the trades that got us Carson Wentz, to midseason trade for a star running back who was disgruntled with another team. 
brought in a bunch of guys who, you know, were key and instrumental pieces to the whole run, you know, Brandon Graham, um, well, I guess Brandon Graham, he, he drafted a long time ago, but, um, like our Blunt, you know, Patrick Robinson, all these free agent signings that he made and this collection of guys did it. So anyway. Oh, and I'll also, so that's a great story for, for him of redemption. Like you said, I'll also point out, and I don't know their names or how many or what their positions are, but I was in the car when you guys were talking about it. So I'll just bring it up here. How some huge percentage of the starting lineup all got injured. They were dropping like flies through the year. Mm-hmm. And so many of the people who were chosen as this is our best option, our best pick for this position, they were getting just wiped out. Injury after injury after yeah. injury. So so many people had to be replaced through the season, but it was like it didn't matter. Whoever got hurt, whoever got replaced, whoever came on to replace them, they just won and won and won and won. So yeah. it was really a destiny story. I throughout think. the throughout the season, we lost a franchise quarterback, a guy who most people think is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame left tackle, which is a hugely important position. Our one of our starting running backs, our starting middle linebacker, uh, our kicker, mm. our best special teams player. Um. Trying to remember who else, but basically, so I mean, you lost almost an entire, an entire lineup full of starters. So that really speaks to the perseverance of a unique group of guys who all came together and, you know, accomplished what many of us thought was impossible. Well, so. many of us may have, but not all of us did. Gotcha. All right. Well. We're With going that. to wrap up <laughs> we better because wrap up. we have to now turn our sights on to how we're going to juggle tomorrow because oh, right. I am flying out tomorrow morning to tape an episode of a TV show, Ask Dr. Nandy in Detroit. Everybody should tune in. super excited about. Of course, I will be talking about that when the air date comes by. And while I'm hopping on a plane to Detroit, <laughs> you are going to be toting our three kids and about, I don't know, 10 or so of our brothers-in-law and nieces and nephews into the city of Philadelphia with well, probably like 5 million other people to go to the parade, <sighs> the Eagles parade, which I am really bummed I have to miss. But you guys are going to go there in weather that's a high of 32 and we're going to see how that all shakes out. So maybe we'll have some good stories on next week's episode. (laughs) All right. With that, we'll wrap up, and we'll talk to you all again soon.